And so I think, you know, training for your lifestyle is more about what are the things that is going to make your life easier with your dog? What do you need out of them on a day-to-day basis? And then that's where we're going to start and go from there. Hello, happy With a Dog Wednesday. This is the With a Dog podcast, the podcast for the modern dog parent. I'm your host, Carly, and I interview veterinarians, trainers, products, and some really awesome fellow pet parents about how you can get the most out of life with a dog. Hello, everyone. People with a dog. I am a ball of stress this week. I don't know if it's just some universal truth that you need to get stressed before you go on vacation to unstress, to de-stress. There we go. But that's that's me right now. We're supposed to go on vacation next week. Um, you're supposed to have a two-week vacation staying down in Lake Tahoe, driving there with the dogs from Seattle, where we live. And there are wildfires happening in California at the moment. Um, so that is it's just no longer an option really for us to drive down because there there are some highways that are closed. But then also just, you know, if the air quality is not going to be good while we're down there, I don't want to subject the dogs to that. The whole point of bringing them with us is to go on hikes together and go out on the boat and all of that. But if the air quality is not going to be good and they're going to be sitting inside for basically two weeks that we're down there, then, you know, that's just not really fair to them or us to go through the stress of doing this whole drive. And guys, that is so off brand for me. This is the with a dog podcast, the whole thing, travel with a dog, life with a dog. And now I'm not bringing my dogs. I am not vacationing with a dog any longer. And it, it's very sad. I'm very, I'm pretty bummed about it, but it is what it is. It's for the best a lot of shuffling has been happening. Now we're flying down for the week and then flying home and then we're flying back again a week later to go to a wedding that's down there. So there's just so much happening, so many things up in the air. It is what it is. We're making the best of it. Thank God we have a safety net of some family that lives in the area so we can so we can easily ask them to watch the dogs at last minute notice because Honest, like I've been there where we live, you know, when we lived in London, we didn't have any family or like super close friends that I could just on a whim be like, hey, I need you to take the dogs. And they would. So I definitely feel very grateful that we have some family in the area that are that are able to take the boys at last minute notice. And then also I've got my rebrand happening, which I've kind of alluded to a few times. I'm going to keep alluding, but it's... I'm just so excited about it, guys. It's really, I want to set us up, us, me, you, with a dog, all of it for success with like a new logo and some good merch options, the whole shebang. It's very exciting. I'm I'm really, really looking forward to it. I hope you guys are going to love the changes and the updates that we're making. And then I think that's about it. Oh, quick update from last episode. I told you guys how my little life with a dog update was that Albie now knows how to jump the backyard fence. This damn dog is going to be the death of me. I love him so much. This is actually, this is like the only bad thing that he's done. And he doesn't even actually go anywhere. He just jumps to the neighbor's yard, sniffs around for a bit, and then jumps back into ours. 
even though he could actually escape out of the neighbor's yard, he just likes to sniff and then come back. Anyway, he is now on a leash in the backyard um, for the foreseeable future. So he still has full mobility around the whole backyard. He's just on like a really long line that he's clipped to. And that's our little fix for the moment. Just wanted to give you guys a quick update on that. And I think that's it. Let's talk about this episode. So today I have Pam on who is a fellow hound dog mom. Yes, I know I have had a lot of hound dog parents on recently. Don't worry, everyone. I will be having some other people on, not just hound people. (laughs) I do have some guests lined up that are not hound related. But in this case, I really felt like Pam was the best person to speak with about this episode or on this topic because she is a dog trainer or she used to be a dog trainer. She doesn't really practice anymore. Now she's moving more into like wildlife biology and stuff. But I think she has a really unique perspective in the fact that she is a dog trainer, but is no longer in that space. So she's kind of taken a step back and is able to look at training on a whole with like a different perspective, a different point of view. And what I'm talking about mainly is training for your lifestyle. And that's our main topic today, but we also talk about passive and active training. So training for your lifestyle, the reason I wanted to talk about this is because personally, I am a low effort dog mom. I don't I don't have an interest really in training my dogs things that aren't functional. So like isn't going to directly benefit their lifestyle. And sometimes I feel like a little self-conscious because of that. Because, you know, you look at Instagram and there's so many people doing such amazing things with their dogs, doing all these different tricks and training, and which is amazing. But it's just that's something that I haven't really wanted to do. And then also sometimes it gives me a little bit of anxiety. It gives me It makes me feel overwhelmed that I... I'm like, oh no, I need them to sit and roll over and do this and do this. And it's just like, but do I need that? They're pretty happy. They're they're functioning pretty well in the home. Like, and so that's why I wanted to have this conversation a little bit more of like, do you like what training do you actually need for your dog? What does your dog actively need or actually need? And then that kind of floats. So that's like training for your lifestyle, which I talk about with Pam, but then also that flows into active versus passive training. So we define it a little bit more in the episode, but basically passive is things that your dog just picks up on through living with you, like behaviors and needs that you want them to do without you actively commanding them to do it versus active training is you have your treat pouch, you're standing there like sit, lay down, roll over, like all of those kind of things. And you're actively teaching them these cues. And so I've really leaned heavily on training for my lifestyle and passive training with my two dogs. And I just kind of wanted to talk more about it and share more about that with you guys and then also get the perspective of a trainer with it too. So I hope this is beneficial for you guys. Obviously, every dog is individual, but I wanted to open up this discussion a little bit more with you guys about, you know, about being a low effort dog mom, basically. (laughs) And sometimes that's okay. As long as your dog is loved and cared for and they're functioning well in your home and in society, then we are good to go. I hope you guys enjoy this. Let's get into it. Pam, welcome to the With a Dog podcast. 
Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, well, I'm excited to have you on. I was realizing the other day, I was like, I feel like I've had a lot of hound dog people on lately, and you are a fellow hound mom. So yeah. <laughs> all of the other listeners are probably going to like who don't have hounds are probably going to be like, Carly, let's lay off the hound people <laughs> a little bit. But I just I feel like you have we have so many great things to say. And I just love looking at other hound dogs on Instagram. So Speaking of Hound Dog Mom, if you could just briefly introduce yourself and what you do, as well as your two hound dogs. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, again, I'm Pam um, Clementine and Aspen on Instagram, and I trained professionally for 17 years. Um, right now, I just kind of do it on the side for fun, help people out, that kind of thing. Um, because unfortunately dog training doesn't really pay the bills. So, um, it's, it's great. It's a great industry most of the time. Um, but yeah, so right now it's a lot of, you know, helping people out on the side, private lessons here and there. Um, but I'm not currently at a facility or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I currently have two hounds. Um, I have Clementine who, I've had since she was about 12 weeks old. She's a rescue. Um, and then I have Aspen. She's a tripod from Misfit Hounds in Tennessee. So, and I've had hounds for, gosh, the last like 19 years. So, oh my gosh. That's, yeah. That's all I've had as an adult out on my own is hounds. I'm a little crazy. I love, <laughs> I love to see it. I will be there very soon. So yeah. yes, no, that's awesome. Um, Okay, I love what you were saying, though, about how dog training doesn't necessarily pay the bills, because that is, I feel like animal industry things, because I I used to work in the animal world. And um, I mean, still do technically, if you count the podcast, but (laughs) it just, yeah, it's like, I loved working at the shelter and like the animal shelters and the rescue and then the veterinary world. But it did not it did not put food on the table in a meaningful way, really. And so is that why you were kind of, you were just like, I need to get something that's a little bit more lucrative? Yeah, I kind of, for a long time, I kind of did both. Like I would be a full-time trainer and then have like a part-time job here or there. Um, But yeah, that was kind of it. And then also um, the facility that I was teaching at had a lot of big changes and, um, to say it nicely, pretty much everybody chose something different to mm-hmm. go do. And yeah. it, yeah. And so um, that's kind of why I'm not actually at a facility anymore, even though we do have a couple great ones here in Salt Lake um, that actually a lot of people that left the old one, you know, have branched out and things like that. So, um, but yeah, that's really why also um, I'm kind of shifting my focus more toward wildlife now. So I'm finishing up a zoology degree um, with like ecology emphasis to do wildlife biology. So, but even that, I mean, whether it's a, you can have a degree, you can work for, you know, the park service, whatever, a zoo, and you're, it's still, you know, definitely not anything lucrative or anything that, you know, you'll get rich off of. No, it's so it's really interesting. Um, and that's like, I think I mean, obviously, this is a topic for a whole nother episode. But <laughs> that yeah, it just 
it's so hard to stay in an industry when it doesn't pay well, when you get like compassion fatigue yes. or you can get really, um, really frustrated, you know, with like the other dog owners, you know, if they're not kind of doing a good job of parenting sometimes. And it's just, it, there's like one thing after another. So, um, and as you said, like, even if you have the education behind it, I mean, I, there were a few girls I remember at, uh, at the shelter, you know, they had like master's degrees and like in science related animal behavior or whatever. And they were just trying to get their foot in the door, but they had to like, they were doing another job on the side of like, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it was and like waitressing and stuff. And it's like, God, <laughs> when will it end? Yeah. Um, yeah. No. So I totally understand that. Well, the reason that one of the reasons I wanted to have you on today is because you have. One, you're friends with Charlotte, our previous guest, Charlotte with Dogs, with mm-hmm. Starsky and Ginsberg. And so she recommended you, as well as you've kind of talked about like training a dog for your lifestyle. And that's something that I am like a full supporter of because that is really how I trained uh, Lupin and am attempting to train Albus is like training for like what I need them to do rather than training mm-hmm. for what. Instagram says your dog right. needs to do. So I'd love for you to kind of like talk a little bit about that from the trainer's perspective. Yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, when I taught a lot of group classes and things, you know, we had a curriculum, you know, going over like recall and stays and down and all that. But every, you know, every now and then we'd have maybe like a dachshund that would just absolutely refuse to lay down on cue. And so mm-hmm. I would say, okay, well, do you care? And, you know, if the owner said no, then I'd say, okay, well, then I don't either. You know, if yeah. it, it, it's a little physically restricting for especially a dachshund to do that. Um, I think any kind of training is great when you're working with your dog, you're teaching them stuff. It's going to be really great for their brain, even if it has no practical application. But in the long run, the person who owns the dog is the one who has to live with them every day. Right. And so, you know, me as a trainer, I'm not going to anybody's house and, you know, living with them for any period of time to, you know, assess what their dog is doing or anything like that. So if they never teach their dog to stay, uh, yes, stay is very valuable in a lot of contexts, but maybe that dog has severe potty training issues. Okay. Well, the potty training stuff is going to be the most important one. Right. Or, puppy biting or jumping, you know, stealing stuff off the counter, Um, you know, maybe teaching like a good place cue while you're eating. Like there's, there's so many different things. Everybody has a different kind of household, different kind of lifestyle where these different cues come into play. And if someone is never going to use like a heel, again, heel is, you know, all of these cues are, they have their time and place and they are very important. But if someone, you know, will just pick their dog up or just keep them on a really tight leash, the very few times they would need to use a heel compared to, you know, other people that might take their dogs a lot of places where they would have to heal. You know, I'm not going to be pushing things that someone isn't going to be using all the time because then everyone's just going to get frustrated. And so I think, you know, training for your lifestyle is more about what, what are, what are the things that is going to make your life easier with your dog? right? Mm-hmm. What, what do you need out of them on a day to day basis? And then that's where we're going to start and go from there. And then, you know, things on top of that, again, 
They're great, fantastic. I love like teaching things that, you know, don't really have a real world application like tricks because it's so stimulating for the dogs. They have so much fun. But, um, you know, if someone is really just, oh, I'm never, ever going to use that cue. Okay, well, even if I spent time working on it, they're not going to do it at home anyway. So I might as well spend that time working on something that is actually going to help them that they're going to put time and energy into. Exactly. Yeah. No, I think that makes so much sense. For instance, little known fact for everyone, um, Lupin did not know sit for the first like three years we had him. And, and you know, like it just it was, <laughs> which is sounds so like everyone's like, he doesn't know how to sit. Like, I don't, I don't understand. And don't get me wrong. I tried. One, he was very scared of people. So even just trying to physically put him into a sit or like he was like, don't touch me and would get scared. Um, he wasn't putting it together in his mind, seeing other dogs do it. He also wasn't putting it together in his mind when I wanted him to do it. So it's like I tried, but I got to the point where I was like, do I actually need him to sit? Right. And the answer was no. He doesn't jump up on anything. He he doesn't make any like sudden movements. I don't need him to focus on me ever or anything like that. Like I was like, there's no, there's no reason to ever have him sit. It was just like when he would go to the pet store and they'd be like, sit for a treat. <laughs> and you know, and I'm like, he doesn't, he doesn't do that. And they're like, oh, okay. You know, like, it was just yeah. one of those things that like, in my life, I didn't need that. Whereas with Alby, I definitely do. One, Alby immediately goes into a sit. Lupin, I think, uh, his long legs and everything. It's just like, I don't think it's physically comfortable. He figured it out eventually. But um, but with Albie, you know, he he will jump up. He does get like overexcited. And so to put him into a sit is like a focus thing for right. him and get him into like, okay, start mode kind of, you know, mm -hmm. or whatever. And um, so it makes so much more sense. But it's like, we never needed that for Lupin. And I think people were sometimes appalled that Louie didn't know how to sit. And I'm like, well, he knows every like he has great recall and he knows lay down and he knows when, you know, up, up to like jump in the car or he knows wait to like stay. Yeah. And so it's just like, I'm like, he, he knows the things that we need him to know. And the sit yeah. was never one of those things. He eventually got some very buttery popcorn and and like was doing <laughs> he was doing so many behaviors just to get the popcorn that he finally went into a sit and we we're like yes so nice. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but um anyway i think it's almost one of those things that it's almost a little bit like peer pressure of yeah. why people over i don't want to say overtrain cuz it's like can you overtrain but like train their dog for things that they don't actually need in their lifestyle right and Sit is like considered, oh, that's the most basic. That's the first thing you should teach. But it's kind of like, why? If I'm not using it to keep my dog from jumping or to have them stay, which they don't even need to do in a sit, you know, it's not, if they're not pulling on leash to go to people, if I'm at a stop, like crosswalk or whatever, you know, yeah. what, yeah, if you're, if it's not useful, then it's just not useful. Yeah. So how do people, I guess, assess if they, need to train something or not? Um, well, I think if you are, you know, struggling with something, if like I was saying, you know, they're jumping or they're grabbing things out of someone's hand, things like that, you know, there's one of the best ways to train stuff like that is to teach alternate behaviors, right? Like a sit or a place cue or something like that. Um, essentially, 
if if you're having any trouble with you know where your dog is at or anything they're doing or they're not doing something you want them to do just in your daily life then that's when you would kind of want to you know reevaluate those things and and figure out what might be helpful that being said i think the only exception is going to be a recall um i think every single dog should be taught a recall now that doesn't mean it's going to work for every dog in every situation <laughs> but um i do think that's one of those important ones that um you know we shouldn't just go oh well they're never off leash so i'm not going to do it well that's the point right <laughs> if they get yeah. off leash we need them to come back so um yeah. You know, I don't necessarily think everyone should just go out and train, you know, go through all this time and money and train all these things that are going to put a strain on, you know, your finances or your time or anything like that. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously, dogs love structure. And the more things that we can teach them, the better. Uh, Just in, you know, you might find yourself in a situation where you didn't think you would use something. And now all of a sudden, you have to use it. Um, one of my favorite things is a stand stay, right? Because maybe I want to put my harness on my dog and there yeah. it stops them from wiggling around or the vet has to look at them or a bunch of kids want to pet them. They're automatically going in a stand stay so that they have more, um, they have more like surface area for the kids and they're not crowding mm-hmm. around their head like they would be if they were in a sit. Um, so I, I do think a lot of the basics are important. But in terms of how much time and energy someone puts into them, I think that's where it's going to differ per household. Yeah, no, I think that really makes sense. I think for like what you were just saying, the stand stay, I was I was just trying to meditate on what the most useful cues have been so far for me, for my mm-hmm. two boys. And I, I really do feel I use weight is like basically the stand stay. Yes. And and it's been so useful just for, you know, when I'm like rifling around in my purse for my keys. So, you know, they're not like pulling on the leash like they know we're going on a walk. So mm-hmm. I'm just like, wait. And, you know, and I'm like, hold on, you know, I got to do this. Or I just drop the leash sometime and then, and, you know, walk back like, oh, oh, crap. You know, I drop this weight and I just drop it and I'll go grab it. And they, right. they stay there. And that has been so useful. It's actually been useful, too, for recall for yes. Lupin when it because he won't like fully come back still he's got he, he does now that he's older but when he was younger he still you know wanted to be independent but if I said wait he would stop on the trail like yeah. he wouldn't he wouldn't necessarily like come to a heel but he would wait for me right and and so I think that's really important and I've noticed that Albie has slowly been figuring that out too um which brings me to my next topic okay so as I said, Albie's been slowly figuring it out, but I haven't been like actively training weight for him. So I am really, really curious to learn more about active versus passive training. I feel like I heard those terms at one point and I kind of latched on because I was like, that's what I do. I do passive training. I am not, I am a very uh, low what's the word low effort dog mom and you know their needs are taken care of and i love them very much and but i am not the type of person to train a bunch of extra tricks or go over the top with you know the cute commands or cues that they know and i'm also not the type that really does too much what i understand is active training where it's like training sessions with them so i'd love for you to explain a little bit more about like what active and passive training is Yeah, definitely. And those are um, a little more recent buzzwords in the training world. You know, there's always 
it goes through fads kind of just like everything else. Um, I used to be that super active dog mom that trained everything. And uh, now, you know, I definitely do a lot, but um, as long, like you said, their needs are taken care of. Um, I'm not as gung ho about doing every possible thing. I'm definitely a little more passive than I used to be. Yeah. Um, but, Charlotte was but, giving me crap because it it took me like four months to start the buttons, the like oh Char- talking buttons. <laughs> <laughs> she gave me so much crap. She's like, Carly, you bought those so long ago. I was like, they're just in a closet. I'm just okay. I haven't started. <laughs> I really hope you don't edit this part out because uh, Charlotte has Charlotte has no room to talk. I give her crap all the time for not starting certain things with her dog. So <laughs> yeah, I even loaned her two books like months before she got Ginsburg and she never read them. Still hasn't. Like, <laughs> this is great. I'm not going to edit yeah. this out. Charlotte, yeah. you've been called out. Yeah, we That's love okay. you, Charlotte, but uh, yeah. no room to talk on that one. Yeah, um, Charlotte yeah, does so do a lot. She does with like yeah, the dog sports does. and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. She reminds me a lot of me when I was younger and was first really getting into dogs and training and sports. But um, yeah, so you know, passive versus active. Really, what we're looking at is the passive training is more your dog is kind of maybe doing a little bit of modeling from the other dog. Um, dogs don't model each other as much as people like to think they do. Um, I think, you know, it's it's not a very high percentage of things that most dogs, you know, in studies will actually just pick up because they watch the other dog do it. Obviously it depends on what it is and the outcome because dogs mm-hmm. are very consequence driven. Um, but really with passive, it's a lot more, um, you know, not doing a whole training session, not standing there with whatever tool you're using and really trying to pair a behavior with a word or a hand cue or whatever. Um, your passive is going to be more like classical conditioning in dog training. So basically, and that's not just dog training, that's psychology in general. But basically what that is, your dog is learning things and they're learning that their behaviors don't always impact the outcome and um, that there's not going to necessarily be this setup situation, right? So for example, um, like with Clementine, I've taught her all these different behavioral cues of like going left or right or backing up or just move, uh, meaning just literally get up and move. And those things are were all kind of passive because I didn't really think about, oh, I'm going to teach this. You know, it was I ha- I just tell her to move and I'm coming in. And so she has to move. So and yeah. just over time, right, she starts to go, oh, when mom says that word, she's just going to make me get up anyway. And so a lot of times with passive, it, it does take a little longer, usually, um, just because it's not as structured, it's not as clear to the dog. But it is definitely a little more of, you know, you're definitely not as involved. You're not trying to you know, give an immediate cue, have the dog respond right away. It's, it, it's kind of like just your dog living life on a daily basis and figuring stuff out around your house, right? Yeah. So um, like you were talking about going on walks and things like that. Like 
Aspen knows if I get her harness or actually even just their fixed length leashes um, that they are going for a walk and she completely loses her mind. And so yeah. that's classical conditioning. That's a type of passive training, right? Because she has learned through my behaviors that when, when this happens, it's going to impact her. Yeah. So, so it's not like you trained for the word walk or you didn't actively train like I have leash, we go walk, you know, it's not, it right. was just like, she put it together in her mind of like, this means this. Yeah. And like the yeah. same thing happens with like treat or ball or dinner, right? Those mm -hmm. are ones that we're not necessarily trying to teach them that dinner means they're going to get fed, but we just do that, right? Oh, are you hungry? Right. That's another one. Um, mm -hmm. You know, want to go for a walk? Even though I'm saying those words, I'm not, you know, working on, okay, well, now that's what's going to happen. You're going to get your consequence, right? The consequence of that word is the actual action, right? Yeah. Whereas in active training, you usually have the action and then the consequence, right? Yeah. Whether it's a, a good one or a bad one. And so with that passive one, it is a lot more like that where, okay, I accidentally taught them when I say, you know, get your ball, right? Mm -hmm. They're going to go get their ball. So, yeah. or they know that it means we're going to play or whatever. That's yes. Okay. Now that I'm thinking the m more about it, I mean, I already knew that I leaned more onto the passive training side for sure with Lupin. But the more I think about, you know, the cues that they know, and I think this could help for all the listeners. If, if your dog knows like a phrase, then they probably learned it passively. But if they know a cue, like a word command cue, then they probably learned it actively. That's that's my new theory. Like when I think about what my dogs know, you know, if I just say dinner, maybe they'll they'll give me a look. But if I'm like, you want dinner? You know, then it's like, yeah. it's like this whole like excitement thing. Or if I just say walk, they're probably not going to respond. I'm like, oh, you want to go for a walk? Then they are going to they're going to pop up and go to the back door immediately. And, right. and it's not because I was like actively training that. It's just because that was something that I said right before I took them on a walk every time. Right. And, and that's yeah. where it becomes comparable to that classic classical conditioning, um, which again, essentially just means the dog is learning that, you know, their behavior doesn't really impact the outcome, right? Yeah. So they're not in control of the consequence. Whereas, yes. you know, with obviously calm or heal or stay or whatever, their behavior directly influences the consequence. Yes. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Because, you know, like the... the the command that both of them do know it like for sure is um, get in your crate. You know, like I'm yeah. just like, get in your crate. They actively, you like go into it. Here's your treat. Close the door. Great. And, um, and yeah, but I think like, I think one of the other ones that I think I've passively trained Lupin and Albie is, you know, I'll just like pat the bed and say up, up or the couch right. or whatever when I want them to cuddle with me which usually they refuse to, but <laughs> yeah, you know. but there's, there's also like a fine line because I would almost say the crate thing is actively training. You just didn't realize it. No, sorry. That's what I meant. The crate is like an active one. And then oh, like yeah, the up yeah. up is a, uh, is a passive because like, I'm just like up up and whether they get up or not, it doesn't matter. Like right, sometimes right, they right, refuse okay. to, and I'm like, okay, whatever, you know? Right. And, and so I think that, it's one of something that I just like passively trained, whereas the crate is definitely, I think, yeah, an active one right. for sure. Okay, so that's like active and passive training. And 
Do you think that one suits a dog or like a type of cue or anything like that better than the other? Um, it's very situational because I kind of have two answers to that. If you have a dog that's struggling with, you know, digging or chewing stuff up or barking, um, not responding to cues, then that's a situation where, okay, active training is going to be your best bet to really go for that. Um, because it is going to give structure, mental stimulation, you know, teach them really what we want from them. Um, but it also almost, it, I'm not going to necessarily say like one is better than the other because passive training is going to happen all the time, whether you're trying to do it or not, even your dog just hanging around the house, um, you know, they're constantly trying to figure stuff out and learn from it. So. Um, I think passive training, you're not going to get away from. Um, and that's totally fine. That that kind of goes along with your lifestyle, like training for your lifestyle, right? Mm-hmm. You know, your dog is figuring out, you know, oh, they're allowed on the couch. They're not allowed on the couch, like little things like that. Um, for instance, the girls will sleep until like noon if I want to sleep till noon. And yeah. if I'm up at six, then they're up at six. And so, mm-hmm. you know, there's some dogs where it's like, no, they're up at six no matter what. And so, yeah. you know, you, it, it kind of goes hand in hand with that lifestyle training because they're going to figure those things out about, you know, where they're living, the people in your house, their situation. Um, active training is definitely important. Um, I think there are cases where it's needed more or less. Um, you know, earlier you said something about if you can do too much training. I think you can personally. Uh, and I'm not at all trying to come at like, I'm not trying to come into this interview saying like, oh, you shouldn't train your dog. Cause I know I've said a couple things that people might take the wrong way. Um, but essentially, you know, you don't want a dog who's always trying to work and always waiting to be told what to do. Right. Like, I guess maybe some people do, but I just feel like that would not be ideal for the dog. You know, they probably wouldn't really be able to calm down. We had this dog um, in training for a while. He was definitely the smartest, fastest learning dog I've ever worked with in my life. And he was to the point where he couldn't even relax um, if he wasn't at home because he was always expecting to be told something to do. Right. And so um, I think, you know, training is super important and structured, structured training, those kind of things that act that really active training. Um, but I do think it can be done overboard, which doesn't really answer your yeah. question. But no, 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 um, I think I think you really did. Because I think with the active and passive, you know, on that note, I, you know, Lupin really benefited from the passive when I first got him because he was extremely fearful of people including my you know including me and of different surroundings he was very scared he couldn't walk on the sidewalk you know if there were people coming towards him like just Mm -hmm. things like that he would he was very fearful and so it was one of those things that I just naturally passively trained him I was just working on him you know just even like living coexisting with me first and then amongst all of that he slowly learned you know, passively yeah. what I wanted. That's exactly from him. what happened with Aspen, right? Yeah. I just wanted to get to a point where she could just exist peacefully. Yes. You know? Yeah. 
Exactly. No, exactly. And that's why I was like, if, you know, like, I'm not going to be worrying about if he can go into a sit or not when he can't walk down the stairs if other people are coming up the apartment stairs or something. You know, it's just like there were other situations. And but whereas Albus is pretty much one of those like bomb proof dogs. um, You know, and we've had him a little over a year now and just eager to please, very loving easygoing about everything but he can get over excited and a little right. crazy and that's where i think he has been passively learning as you said they kind of just constantly are but i've been doing more like active training yeah with him and i think, and I think he benefits from that bet more so than oh, we sure. ever would have yeah and your relationship does too you know that's one thing about active training that i will say i mean uh obviously it's important but um I think it's really, really important for a handler dog relationship as well to, you know, be able to figure out how your dog learns, have that clear communication between each other. Um, And another good thing that active training does is it helps kind of condition your dog to just, you know, listen to your cues just overall a little more, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, those kind of things, which is really... You know, you can get all that, you know, playing with them, lots of walks, things like that. But that active training is is really important for your relationship with your dog, too. But again, it depends on the dog, right? Like, I think if you would have tried to push Lupin, that would have hurt the relationship, right? So being more passive, you know, with his case, I know that's the case with Aspen. She was terrified of everything. She wouldn't even walk through doorways. and so if I would have tried to really push anything on her, it would have damaged that. It would have hurt that trust. Yes. So it, it yeah. really does depend on the situation. But I think in most cases, you know, training is very important for several reasons. And that active training really does play a part. But I think every situation is different. The level of which yeah. you're doing it is where it, it really kind of will vary. Yes. Yeah. And I like what you said about the overtraining thing, too, because I personally, like, as I said, I'm a low effort dog mom. And um, I want my dogs to have some sense of like, independence and autonomy. And I like, I like it when I don't, I don't have to figure out, you know, what they need to do. Like, I like it when I can just coexist with them in the house and they can go grab a toy if they want to or they can go right you know there i leave the back door open they can choose to come in and out and kind of like hang out and do do it as they will and and i just like that because i'm like okay cool like you you are choosing how you want to spend your time and that gives me a lot of joy as a dog mom to know that they have that like autonomy from me and that I am not their whole world. And I I don't know. I just like my dogs to be like more independent and stuff. So I'm happy that basically I brought you on to just validate all of my feelings. Yeah. 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 Well, this is perfect. You know, it it also gives them more confidence when they make their own decisions, you know, and that we have a lot of science to back that up as well. Um, But I don't want a robot dog, you know, like you were saying, I want a dog that's going to feel comfortable making those decisions as long as they're within the parameters of the rules and structure that, you know, Mm -hmm. I've laid down. Um, One of my good friends always says I'm such a softy with the girls. 
and I probably kind of am, but yeah. when it comes down to it, I get what I need from them when I need it. And if yes. I do need to, if I do need to be a little more strict, I totally will. Um, but I just don't care a lot of the time. Yeah. You know, it's no. not, it's just not a big deal to me most of the time. And that's one good thing about owning hounds, right? Yes. <laughs> you kind of, they're so, they're, it's like in their DNA to make their own decisions. And so yeah. it's not that they're trying to be stubborn and disobey and all this. They're just like, no, I've weighed my options. I think I'm going to go do this instead. Yes. I love that. And I love it. You can see it in their little brains, like in their you eyes. Too. You're just yes. like, they're like, yeah, I see what you're offering. But I think I'm going to go do this. Literally, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Clum yeah, will like look at a certain, like if I tell her to go somewhere, or, like go on her bed or something, I can just see she'll like look there and look back and just like eh, kind of take her time. But, but again, if I, you know, that lifestyle training, if I need her to go there, she's going to go there. Exactly. And a lot of that yes. is in my approach. So, yeah. yeah. And it is like the voice tone and all of that. It's like yeah. Lupin knows when I need business or when I mean business. And and Albie usually will just do whatever I say because he's a good boy. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, no, that's so great. I love that. Well, thank you so much for sharing everything. If people want to follow you and Clementine and Aspen, where can they find you? So we're just on Instagram, Clementine and Aspen. That uh, that page is from their perspective, which I know drives a lot of people crazy, but I don't care because I think it's cute. <laughs> um, and if you want to follow me, uh, I am my human account on Instagram is bears and brews, all one word. Bears like bears and brews like beer. So beer. Perfect. Two of my favorite things. Yeah. <laughs> um, Awesome. I don't really talk. I don't talk too much about training on there, though, um, because, oh, it just gets tiring. Um, but I am definitely open to any kind of respectful discourse um, and questions, anything like that. Feel free. Okay. All right. Message Pam with your questions, everyone. Or if you just want to see some cute little hounds, coon hounds, and uh, a tripod hound dog, yeah. then Clementine and Aspen are adorable. So definitely go and follow her. And if you want to follow the podcast, it's at with a dog podcast on Instagram. Facebook group is called I'm with a dog. And we have new episodes out every Wednesday with a dog Wednesday. So you can remember it. And we'll see you next week. Bye, Pam. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. All content on With A Dog Podcast is for informational purposes only and should not replace professional advice, treatment or diagnosis by a certified veterinarian, trainer or behaviorist.